think we, I think this is kind of like the start of the internet. There's a, it's a one-on-one bubble and people, and it's kind of the disgusting thing around the whole NFT world is people are just wanting to make a quick buck, but really the, I mean, the originality here and the potential is huge, but we are in the very beginning where there's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of crap and we need these uh, beautiful curated experiences and good UX and just simplified uh, things that people can understand. Meaningful, human. Hi everyone, Kelly Moulton here. Welcome to the inaugural podcast of Bold Moves. Uh, The title of today's episode is, What the Fuck is an NFT? And with me, I have my friends Tom and and Lillian uh, to chime in on that topic, and I'll let them uh, introduce themselves. Lillian, welcome. Hey, thank you. Can you tell us just a bit about yourself? Sure. um, I've been living in Norway now for the past 12 years. I grew up in the US. I'm a creative director and designer, um, both in the UX and branding and storytelling realm. Um, And last year, we started Navoy, uh, the new face of contemporary and sustainable Norwegian design, art and craft. And we are uh, currently having an exhibition coming up in April that will be our first digital exhibition um, with traditional and digital art um, as part of the Oslo Open Festival in Oslo. Digital. You just used the word fidgetal. She mm-hmm. threw fidgetal into the conversation already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is this some sort of accepted term? Am I just late to the party? Uh, you know, I think so. Either people think it's a spelling mistake and they're like, whoa, what was that? Or or it, it is popping up very many places. It is the term that describes this hybrid digital and digital uh, experience. Physical meets digital. Got mm. it. We'll come back to that. Tom, welcome. Thank you. Where the hell did you come from? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I, asked, I asked myself that a lot as well. Um, well, following on from what uh, Lillian said, I think we're, we're kind of quite similar. I've been in Norway for eight years. I'm the managing partner of Anti, which is we're a, a brand studio. Um, I'm a creative strategist. So a topic like NFT comes up and I'm more meant and more. to know what it is. Yeah. And is it coming up more and more? Yeah, it is. It is. Well, I'm bringing it up. You're more bringing more. it up. It's partly to make myself sound like a, a good creative strategist. But part of this realm is kind of, you know, up inside my head going, what the fuck is an NFT? Yeah, really. You know? really. So this is, this is really interesting. So I'm, you know, I feel like I'm, I've fallen down the rabbit hole a little bit. And I haven't, this maybe is the Mad Hatter's Tea Party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're Absolutely. not quite there. So, but I know that Lillian's doing really interesting, proper experiments. Um, I've got a big experiment underway with, a, with, a, with an art. Before we get there, though, and I, get I there. think there's something there that's kind of good to explore. Well, that's part of this podcast is uh, it's too intriguing. Not We don't want it just to go by, past us, right? So we want to make uh, intelligent decisions for ourselves about is there a there there? Um, I think the whole UX of this universe is a catastrophe. It's so hard to access and, and get into, which creates an opportunity, though, for people like us as well. But parking that for a second, for even myself and for the average Joe on the street, what is an NFT? Who wants to take a shot at it? Tom? An NFT is a racehorse. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that one. <laughs> okay. So I've been forced, to, forced into many metaphors. 
and I always think, how, do, how would I say this to my, to my kids who are sort of under the age of 10? And the reason why I use a racehorse as a description here is because it's, it, 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 an NFT means non-fungible token, right? And it's different in the sense it's not just like rolls currency. off the tongue, doesn't it? Does. It's non -fungible beautiful. Non-fungible token. It's beautiful. Sounds like a virus. <laughs> It really does, <laughs> It grows on you, though. Yeah, anyway. Exactly. <laughs> like a virus. Exactly. Um, it's going viral in some ways. Uh, but anyway, so a racehorse is a racehorse, right? Multiple people can actually own a racehorse. It's an asset. I get your metaphor and already. And the performance yep. goes well. However, if I cut it up, it's no longer a racehorse. So it becomes, that's the existential essence of an NFT <laughs> is that it's a whole thing. It's not like $100 and you can turn that $100 into $101, right? This is an, a, a solid asset. And that on the blockchain is what defines the NFT. So it's a racehorse on a blockchain. Lillian? Yeah, you know, um, before NFTs existed, there, you had uh, millions of digital designers and artists that were producing amazing work. Uh, for many years back, we we have already gone over to this uh, digital realm where you have amazing artists and before the nft and the blockchain came they couldn't create a value they couldn't get paid uh, there was no sense of creating uh, royalties which they can now collect so most importantly the nft is a a digital contract for digital artists to get paid for the value they create can we just repeat that for a second lillian because that was a really good phrase hmm. it's a digital contract yeah. A smart contract, uh, yeah. Smart contract, as they say. Yeah. Um, so, so um, and I'm not, I'm not playing dumb. I am dumb on this. So bear with me for a second. I buy literally a digital represent, a, a piece of digital art. Yeah. Like a GIF or a JPEG or whatever you want to call it. And built into that transaction beyond my control is the automatic transfer of a royalty to, say, Tom, who created that image that mm. goes to his digital wallet. Is that correct? Yes. Whereas he might have just been pirated before. Yes. Is this, do I have it? Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that, that object can be resold. So every, it's like music and Spotify. Every time you hear or listen to a song, the artist gets royalties. Or not. Yeah, well, yeah, they're supposed to. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not foolproof. There's a lot of, uh, you know, I was very skeptical to this whole scene because the UX is horrible. It's not accessible. It's not uh, curated. So there's a sea. Uh, there's literally an open sea of everything, which makes it really hard to find what your taste is. And, and uh, you know, uh, we need a sense of curation. Not to mention bots creating a false sense of demand. I was just reading about this morning. Yes, Be very, yeah. very wary of the bots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, but for the first time ever, you know, with the digital platforms such as Instagram, artists are able to promote themselves. So that's quite empowering. And also through Navoy, we want artists and designers to sell their work themselves. It's like a marketplace. We help curate and we help market and communicate and sell it, of course. But it's the maker themselves, the creator that gets the attention, that gets the fame. Um, and the wonderful, crazy, uh, chaotic thing about NFTs is it's not just digital art. It can be royalties, it can be avatars, it can be these digital hybrid experiences with a theater group, with a club, with a party. 
So when you really start exploring this whole area, it's really fascinating. And what you can do with these exhibitions, especially, I was just at the Nikolai Kunsthall in, in Copenhagen with the artist Ditte Eilishko, I think I pronounced her name right. You know, this was a beautiful example of how uh, they've transformed this beautiful church. When you go in into the first floor, it's like a traditional art exhibition with these yeah. amazing paintings on the wall. But then you go up into the attic and you can actually lay down in this meditative experience where you're looking at this digital artwork that moves and is completely breathtaking. And there's this meditation uh, sound. So where's the, the whole... NFT and what you're just talking about? Right. So when the, the part of the experience in UX, we always talk about the before, during and after. When you've experienced this, you get this little token, this NFT card, you log in there and then you get this. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to be ped uh, uh, pedantic or whatever. Um, sure. A card? So you have yes, a physical you get a card, card that's an like NFT? Like a playing card, yes. And then okay, you log in. Okay, but that gives in. me somehow access to an NFT. Exactly. Okay. Where do I where do I put this card? Literally walk me through it. Well, I, I put it in my <laughs> wallet. And when I got home, I had this URL and I went into that. And then I got my own personalized token saying I was a part of this experience. But you could, I mean, really, th that part was quite silly. They could have extended it to saying, you get this digital artwork, you get this original, um, either paid or free. But then you have this hybrid digital, perhaps you buy a physical and digital artwork and it stays with you. And it can be the crazy and fascinating thing about this whole digital world is in a sense, especially during COVID, we've all become avatars. You know, when I met you in real life, Kelly, I was like, oh my God, you're a real person. Yeah, it was weird. You preferred the digital. I could see that. I could see that it was too much physical. Yeah. It, 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 the He's digital. a little taller than he looks. <laughs> the digital version is much. No, yeah. I know where you're going with this. Uh, in in, in a sense, that... yeah. It's, I mean, in a sense, we've all become gamers in a way. We all are experiencing in this digital realm. And if you think conceptually about NFT art and NFT experiences, then you know, I understand why gamers now invest in, just like I will buy a beautiful piece of fashion in the real world, they will buy a beautiful piece of fashion online in the digital world to represent themselves. Lots to take in there, mm. Lillian. Where do we start on picking <laughs> well, I think, that one? <clears throat> like, what, what you said, Lillian, at the very, at the beginning here in, with, the, with the, art, um, the artists, uh, the value and the relationship of NFT to the creator, is really interesting if we just think of that this was the NFTs existed a hundred years ago. Um, the artwork that's a hundred years old that you own now, there would be no question of its provenance. So that's really interesting. So if if we then sort of fast forward a hundred years to to what digital art of of merit and qualities you know lasts the test of time, that will ha there'll be no question of its provenance. And provenance is essentially the, the most valuable thing of an NFT. So you know exactly who created it, when they created it, why they created it, How or whatever it metadata they wanted to put the way. in. Yeah. Whoever, yeah, exactly. All of those things, every time it was exhibited publicly and that was of note. And then the next level to that is what you described, Lillian, as your experience visiting a gallery, as a vi the visitor experience. Mm. And now the provenance of your experience is logged. So now you have, so th not that you're the owner, but now you're I was part of that story. I can prove it. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
Exactly. That's that's absolutely right. What's the best gig you've ever gone to, and yeah. how many people you know yeah. say, "Oh, it's you." So that's absolutely right. Um, and then the next thing, which we just sort of finished on, is is the reality of of uh, ethics of ownership of the intangible of the digital and things like that. And and for me, I'm not there. And I think Lillian, you're saying like this is exciting, and you're feeling it. You're getting there. That but, was obvious. Yeah, and but for kids, little kids. I'll give you an example. My my uh, my son, who's uh, six, uh, was nagging me the other day um, for his Pokemon trainer to to get a new outfit, and he wanted me to um, you know give him some credits for that, some Pokecoins, and mm. and the penny dropped for me there that this the, the the metaverse of Pokemon, if you like, right? The asset that he wants in that game he sees very little difference between the baseball cap of his trainer and the baseball cap that he will have himself and that that is the world view and the and the ethical outlook that you have if you've been born into a digital hybrid existence rather than <laughs> or fidgetal kids the fidgetal kids <laughs> that's it <laughs> someone write that down mm. Can I create rights to having come up with that phrase and make that an NFT and then you have to pay me every time it's used? Get, should we do a level set on what the actual market is? Should we talk about the reality of this space? I still have so many questions about um, about uh, even this provenance. Let's go to the provenance issue because that's so, so important because if that promise is true, it's it's quite revolutionary. Yeah, I, I read somewhere that there was once a survey of the uh, the fraud in the quote-unquote traditional mm. art marketplace done by a very well-respected um, place in Switzerland. I can't remember the, the name where they were like maybe half. <laughs> mm. maybe, and, and of course, a lot of people, no, it can't possibly be that. No, maybe half of it's just fake. This is a $50 billion a year industry that they're talking about in terms of art trading hands, right? So now if you're able to, both for the, the seller and the buyer, to, to prove without a doubt uh, that Lillian created it, revolutionary. But for me, we're still talking abstract. There's this supposed ledger somewhere mm. that's not in the New York Public Library. <laughs> it's somewhere the out ledgers. there. Yeah, ledgers. Mm. So does anyone know where I go? This this mysterious ledger, this blockchain that keeps such you know record of all has there been created some central repository that we can go to? Does anyone know? I'm looking at two blank faces. No, okay. <laughs> well, so it's a theory it, yeah. that I can go check the provenance. That um, right now we still just have to trust. Even yeah, though the basis of this trust is is its distributed trust. It's right, a, yeah, it's decentralized. It exists everywhere. The blockchain is this, it isn't a centralized bank or anything where no, things are. No, but I still are, need to go somewhere to find the ledger of transactions for the NFT that I just bought. Yeah, so I guess like in your case, Lillian, who's trying to build a marketplace, that would be up to you to provide the UX for. Mm. Here, here is where you go to see yeah, I mean, it's raw at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, it's mm. completely raw. You're absolutely right. And that's what's really exciting with what you're doing, Lillian, because you're, you're, you are designing the, the, uh, the experience of it. And it is a, a user experience, but it will be a visitor experience, a customer experience. It's, it, it's putting the human to the digital, at the, which is ironic because we're talking about art. 
Right. Yeah, right. So this is at the moment really for the geeks. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, if uh, I do a level set yeah. on the, the data here, I, I, I have read so much different market information, but I found a credible source here that estimates that the, the NFT art market was 2.8 billion US dollars in 2021, which was like exponential growth over the years. So already a significant market. There are 148,000 active wallets. Yeah, one person might have multiple wallets, but that gives you a sense of the number of people who are involved. So still super early, okay. already creating this 2.8. Of that, 1.2 was profit. Yeah, of these trades, because people are only holding on to these things. And this is really important for the art world. We were talking about this earlier, Tom. They only hold on to their NFT for an average of 33 days. Hmm. I've held my photograph up on my wall for 10 plus <laughs> years. So right now, this market's very much driven by like day traders. Yeah, it is a market to make money. Yeah. For a lot. And, and, and there's a lot of people in there that wants the... The quick art buck. experience and the quick buck so you can see right. these two characters are coming together i think we i think this is kind of like the start of the internet there's a it's a 101 bubble and people and it's kind of the disgusting thing around the whole nft world is people are just wanting to make a quick buck but really the i mean the originality here and the potential is huge but we are in the very beginning where there's a lot of chaos there's a lot of crap and we need these uh, beautiful curated experiences and good UX and just simplified uh, things that so people can understand. So meaningful application. Meaningful, of human, yeah. So talk, talk to us. You have an upcoming exhibit in Oslo, I understand, called Above and Beyond. Can you talk Above us and through below. that a bit? Above and Beyond. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Above and Beyond was nice too. Above yeah. and below. Right. So we. Um, this is our uh, second major exhibition um, in collaboration with Oslo Open, which is a festival for opening up the studios and uh, yeah, the studios to the artists in Oslo. Uh, and cool. everyone can go around the city and go into the homes and the studios and meet the artists. So we wanted to do a group exhibition with uh, eight different artists, uh, major international artists that are uh, joining us. And we also want to support one of the uh, largest uh, co-working uh, creators spaces in Oslo called Krulofte. And they have a gallery called Krutverke, which is our gallery space. But above and below symbolizes this, this dream versus this reality. The exhibition will uh, have these beautiful pieces, um, both digital and physical. But the below part represents the opportunity to actually meet the artist. We are creating these sound portraits and um, and portraits that you can see and listen to I'm as sorry, part of the sound experience. Sound portrait. Yeah. Help me. Uh, it's like the podcast. So we're playing on the concept of a podcast that either at the exhibition or online through Navoy. You can hear uh, this artist speak about their work, speak about their process, cool. in addition to meeting them live at the exhibition. Long live audio. Love it. Right. So we can capture both who the artist is, their process, their everyday life about being an artist, as well as showcasing these absolutely beautiful um, objects that they've created. And one of our digital artists, Rasmus Strida, is really taken off uh, in Norway. 
the last year. Um, he will be featured there as well, and he will have some of his digital art, but it will also be sold as physical art. He creates both these breathtaking digital artworks that you can have on your TV at home or on your computer, but also have a physical version of it that you can hang up on your wall, or he started creating sculptures that you can also buy. So when you say digital art, you mean an NFT? Yes. And that's really interesting because what you just described then, Lillian, is a, is, is the, a digital, a physical version of it. Right? <laughs> not, not, not a digital, digital version of it. And, and that's kind of interesting because it's where the focus is at the moment, right? And it might be that actually that these are produced as equals. Right. And, and it is up to the, to the buyer or the, the, the person who, you know, to, to sort of make that judgment call as to what proceeds what. Chicken egg. But is then it, as an asset. I'm thinking right now, people come to my house, they see something up on the wall and they go, is that an original? Yeah. So now I'm seeing my projector for digital art where same thing. And that's, that's authentic. This isn't just, I didn't just copy a JPEG and, mm -hmm. and put it up there. I paid an artist for that. Mm -hmm. And I take pride in the fact that I'm actually supporting Rosmus or whoever, because that image that's up on my wall, someone's received <laughs> money for creating it. Mm -hmm. so I could see that coming where I'm going to have a digital art collection. Yeah. I was actually just at a hotel where I thought there was this huge painting um, or photograph on the wall at this hotel, and it turned out to be the Samsung Smart Frame TV. It looks it looks like a physical piece in a frame, uh, and I was just, I was almost like, oh my god! I and you know if you and did it change while you were there, or does it, it stay didn't? Pretty... It was just yeah. a static picture. But the yeah. nice thing with NFTs is it could be a moving picture. It could be this breathtaking you know, this subtle, beautiful element that moves in slow motion, you know, the, here the, lim the possibilities are limitless. So the hard and the hardware is there and that, the, you know, that the, the, the uh, screen technology was developed as an art screen by Samsung before NFTs mm -hmm. existed, actually. So that's kind right. of interesting. And we have physical wallets for mm. these things as well right so there's a there's there's a the the fidgetal as you say lillian which is really nice uh <laughs> is is in many different facets here but it's also what i think's interesting in this it's it's the the fidgetal dynamic if you like is how you want it to be so let's say i had let's say you had that art piece kelly that you bought from lillian. Asmus, yeah yeah through lillian yes through lillian um, and I really like the print. I'm not really interested in the NFTs. I, I'm old school and what have you. And you say, yeah, sure, you can have the print, no problem. Now you've separated these two, two points to it. And that becomes, that becomes interesting. And that'll be a question is what's so the who premium? owns it? Is the digital the premium or is the print the premium? -er? Yeah. And this, I mean, this is quite topical. I hate, I hate to bring... Ukraine into this, but we'll do it in a, in a good way. Uh, as regards to Vladimir Klitschko, Olympic heavyweight gold medalist, sold his Olympic gold medal many years ago, this was, sold his gold medal to an oligarch who actually gave it back again. But he said, uh, for charity, this was. Right? 
he was interviewed by a sports journalist. He said, why did you sell your Olympic gold medal? And he said, well, I'll always be the heavyweight world champion. Right? Just because you buy the, just because you own a gold medal, doesn't mean you won it. It right? doesn't mean you made it. Doesn't mean you created it. And it comes back to this point of provenance. So it's kind of interesting. In that, that's the point of I'm thinking look, the motivations and the value between this this person of which paid a million dollars for a, a piece of metal, and and the creator of that themselves and the origin of that, which is the Olympic Games. Now that sort of narrative, which is I think probably about 10, 12 years old, something like that, maybe even older. That's now, in we're playing with this, it, there's an interplay between digital and physical. We're talking about lump of gold as a gold medal. Now that's a digital thing. And so we're starting to question our relationship between this, what we're calling Web 3.0 or metaverse or what have you, just the simple digital stitching Yep. throughout our lives. I have to admit, I'm very old school. I have a hard time imagining paying people, you know, $69 million or whatever you got paid mm -hmm. at Christie's for something digital. I, I just, I, I, I have to kind of force myself into seeing that as having, uh, va or much less $500 <laughs> for well, if, something if, that's if digital. Back, if you go back to... Um, let's let's use Andy Warhol as an example. I mean, Andy Warhol is dead, so there's not going to be any more Andy Warhols. But your point, um, Kelly, about the uh, uh, about the fakes. Um, if you own eighty percent of Andy Warhol, and Andy Warhol is up, and Andy Warhol you don't own is up for sale, you'll buy it because if you pay over the odds for it your net worth has just gone up, right? Uh, because you own 80%. And it's a commodity you can own all of that. Now, we're not entirely sure if that is a real Andy Warhol. Is it a snide? Has it been made well, there's in a... a 50% chance it's not. Right, it's a 50% chance. What's interesting is what, what Lillian's experimenting here with is being a kind of a Christie's, but with a greater relevance of experience around an NFT and bringing artists into the fold. Um, whereby that future conversation is guaranteed, it, it's, the provenance is guaranteed, and that becomes really interesting. So, if, so if you're part of that sort of asset class of art, wonderful. Mm. If if you believe in this ledger idea, yeah. well, yes. Also, if you believe in the artist, well, and this is also wonderful. We come back to something that's always been since since the you know spitting over your hand in a cave right? is it uh, is is he good at spitting uh, uh, over his I'm hand let in you a cave keep running with that one <laughs> right is this human creativity good does it stand up does it speak to our heart and our soul is this art good right and i've always been i've actually always been so critical to the gaming um environments and Myself, I've been very old fashioned in that I believe in human uh, intoxication, meeting people instead of spending all this time on the digital realm. But I've almost, you know, if you can't beat it, join it. Um, we are all on the digital realm as we speak. And the beautiful thing about NFTs as well is we need to talk about the communication behind it um, and how artists are actually talking to their fans. Uh, and I want to bring up what Bjarne Melgård did in Norway, 
um, through the chat uh, platform Discord because he did a stunt uh, called the the uh, light bulb man, which was an NFT, a series of NFTs. Uh, you didn't know what you were even getting. It was crazy. You know, you're you're. It was quite a lot of money. Um, but the whole thing was he went on Discord and he started talking with all his fans. And before this wasn't really, you know, to the extent they can do this now, this communication and this connection between the artists and the fans. When you didn't say exist. fans, did they hold NFTs? Did you have to be an NFT no. holder? To, no. Okay. No, they were just interested in the concept. Anyone could log in, be a part of the chat canal. I was there. I just, you know, um, and it's for them, it's this opportunity to actually connect with the artist. And that's also one of the brilliant things with the whole NFT environment is actually this sense of community. And regarding sales, Bjarn Melgor said, okay, I'll give away, or if you buy an NFT for, I think it was, I don't quite remember, but I think it was 10,000 crowns or a thousand euros, then I'll throw in a, a physical version of that artwork. <laughs> and then the sales shot up. So I truly believe that this hybrid digital is also mm. something that if you're not, you know, you as the, the mom or dad buy the physical version and your digital kid gets the digital version, <laughs> yeah. you know, which if your house burns down, they're the ones going to be making the money in 10 years time. <laughs> Love um, it. So, yeah. I think the thing that you said about the conversation that between an artist and the the patron, if you like, the the buyer is really interesting because back to this, you know, famous Beeple guy, uh, I just read uh, that he's he has uh, made his first physical artwork called Human One, which sold for close to thirty million dollars at Christie's. Um, but it's actually a dynamic, quote unquote, dynamically changing hybrid physical and digital piece. It's a seven-foot sculpture that's made of LED screens. It displays dystopian images, which people will update. Mm. That'll be easy. From time... From, <laughs> Sorry. God, you killed me right there, Vincent. Just <laughs> boom. It, let me try again. Yeah. It dis I'll try and recreate that sense of... Sorry. Yeah. It displays dystopian images, which people will update from time to time via blockchain. But the idea is that there's a continuous conversation between the owner of that work and people. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, mm. to be, I mean, this is a real cliche that I'm going to pull out of the hat now, but it's just, it's, it's, it was amazing. Is is David Bowie's prophetic interview with the BBC in 1999 where he said that Duchamp got it right, that the 20th century, you know, Duchamp, art is not art until the viewer comes into contact with it. And he said that, you know, the, the interplay between the user and the provider of the 21st century because of, and this, uh, 1999, we're talking like <laughs> web, like NFT is now, like super, no UX, super high threshold. This is like, you know. Late dot com 90s. Totally, yeah. Mm. So this was not for everybody. It was for a lot of people, but not for everyone. And, uh, and he said, yeah, so the, the interplay between the user and the provider will be so insipatico, it's going to crush our ideas of what mediums are all about mm. and that is exactly what that is it's exactly what you're describing yes. Lenny. it's exactly what you've described there kelly with this art piece from christie's and that it is the, the the relationship of the gallery is very very interesting uh the the sort of authority the very top down 
approach to it. This is bringing the artist and the owner or the uh, fan, whatever you want to call it, yep. together. But we're talking about it in art sense, the 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 and that's the best place to start and to play and to experiment with this technology. But the real experienced application for the vast majority of us will be through brands. Mm. It won't be through art. It will be, or, or I say, you know, brands. I mean, it will be through the commercial application of this in our daily lives. Before we get to the brands, because that's that's um, in our time left, I wanted to to get there. What happens when people dies? Oh. Gosh, I had this supposed ongoing conversation with this artist that I just paid $30 million to have. I guess oh, we'll have to watch well, that episode when it happens. Digital yeah. death is another, that's a podcast series. <laughs> Lillian, how are you preparing for that? Because that was a good one. When the, when the parents die or the house right. burns down, the kids are laughing. That's what you said. So, how, yeah, how do we? No, I think it's quite a simple solution because in in the opposite of a physical work um, in the digital realm, you can actually share. Uh, you can say if something happens to me, then person A will take over my assets. Right. Yep. So when Posten, when the Norwegian Post Office created the digital um, uh, post service, uh, they have that uh, so that if anything happens to me, my husband will take over my assets. So it's, I think that's quite a simple solution. But your NFTs just, go to the kids. We, yeah, but we, but yeah. it doesn't exist <laughs> today. Books, I don't think any NFTs platform go. has that. And that's the maturity level we need. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah. So I, 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 that's a really good point there. Tom, your job is to uh, work with brands. As you say, you're a creative strategist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you come up with a single useful application of an NFT for, and I know maybe you want to protect confidentiality, useful. but like if you could talk about categories of travel, hotel or something without maybe revealing the name of your client, you know, what, what could you think of trying? Yeah. This is a year of experiments. What might you experiment with this year? So, so two, two areas, one is fashion and Lillian brought this up. Fashion is really big. Um, so digital garments are huge. Now, the fashion industry is up there with construction industry and building and, and you know, uh, transport, et cetera, for when we talk about carbon. Uh, and, and so there's a, there's a phenomenon in fashion called hauling, right? And hauling, like fishing, would be that um, generally young people would go on an e-coms platform. They'd go on, say, Dior, right, or, or Zara, right, at the other end of the spectrum, let's use Zara, and they would um, just buy a load of clothes. It would come to their, you know, they'd, they'd get it, they'd then Instagram the shit out of themselves in this new outfit, and then they'd send it all back again. And they would hashtag, like, Zara Hall. Now, this was costing fashion brands a fortune, and they soon got realized that this wasn't uh, so smart. Some of them thought this is great. We're going to choose who we allow to do this because it's free content for us online. But let's just take that this this sort of social phenomena of buying stuff that's manufactured in North Africa or, or Bangladesh, and then it's shipped. The logistics, the carbon, the da da da. da. The time and consumption and energy and waste in that process, and then as soon as you turn that into an instant download of that garment that can be then worn by your digital avatar, which is like you were describing at the beginning there, Lillian, your experience of Kelly was, you know, uh, on your screen. Yeah, it was, not, it was not, 9 by 16, right? For, 
So <laughs> what so you're that's saying how it there is. is a real light bulb thing for me, though, about the preciousness which I nurture my digital identity. Totally. Mm. So exactly that. This becomes a garment for you to wear in a way that in which the vast majority of your social interactions really interesting. interacts with you. Mm. I'm so lame that most people when they experience me digitally, they just see KM. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw you had some avatar today when I was sending you a text. I was like, ah, I need an avatar. God, I don't right. even have an avatar. But my boy <laughs> at 11 years old, he's living and breathing how he looks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I got a PC yesterday from this new um, client that I'm working with. I, I have a Mac. He said, oh, oh, let me configure your your PC. It was so important to him that he did a background of Pensacola Beach and that he created an avatar. Like it was, that was his first instinct was to be sure his pop looked okay digitally. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. Don't go I out wearing that. Is it the equivalent, right? Right. If we try to expand, but also simplify this whole NFT space, digital art is just one thing. You have all the assets that is used in the gaming communities, the the avatars we've talked about, but you also have music and then you have memberships. In regards to branding, um, the possibilities are also limitless here because mm -hmm. if you think of your digital wallet as a ticket, it gives you tickets to theater groups. It gives it you tickets to a limited edition of memberships, just like golf, right? They only have a certain amount, and once they're sold, you have to buy it from another. Now I understand it. Thank you, the golf metaphor. Now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> like my husband plays a lot of golf. So, um, But if we consider NFTs and these digital wallets to give us access to these memberships in any theatrical, cultural, fashion group, we're a part of a community. And through that membership, uh, things can happen. And we're going to experiment with this later on in the year with a group called Molecular Ballet, which is also in the metaverse, but in the physical. Um, so this can you, is- can, uh, you, can, you, can you give us a little- That was a bit of a cliffhanger, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, Tom was like, come on, where's the popcorn? So, so, so this, this is in the ticket. Right. Right, right. okay. So, so there, Lillian, if I get in early, could mm -hmm. I could I buy a ticket? Yes. But I have no real interest. I'm not really a ballet fan. I do actually quite like ballet. But for this this game, we'll have say ever, I have do. Have you ever been to a proper? Of course I have. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. powerful. And this is yeah, of course I'm sorry. <laughs> of course I have. <laughs> but how dare you? <laughs> I'm incredibly confident. This is more but, of a very abstract <laughs> theatrical group than ballet, but dance is an element. Sure. Yeah. But let's just pretend I'm 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 a heathen as as Kelly thinks. Yeah, let's so but I'm sure. I'm up for making well, money. Heathen. So I buy that ticket. There's 256 of them. That's it. Wonderful. That's mm. it. But now I can become a ticket tout because if yes, I get in early, I could sell this NFT. And the and that ticket is connected to a Scalping uh, NFT. artwork. So you, by buying that ticket, you own a piece of the artwork, which also is composed of 256 pieces that all these artists in this community have created. So your ticket is your gateway to the art and to the experience of being part of the um, different uh, shows and exhibitions and events and parties they will have in the years yeah. going forward, including the biennial uh, Vienna um, the Vienna exhibition, right? Across the world. 
that you can either experience in the metaverse or you can go to the physical place and experience it with them. So if this is if this is the first time, is it? I think you said this is the first time this is going to be done by these uh, molecular ballet. Uh, they so the concept behind them is that they have existed eleven years. They they go through the cycles of the moon. So they have each moon they have a practice or a performance, and they've uh, they've had a, a beautiful exhibition at the Henningstad Museum in Norway uh, earlier. And now they've just started a new 11 year cyclist. So it's in the very beginning. Um, but, you know, have they always talking... been named Molecular Ballet? That's such a great name. Yeah. Yes. I'm sold already. They're... By the way, Lillian comes yes. up with this stuff every week. She'll just be like, have you heard of? And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is wonderful. <laughs> but, but my point being that if, if this is the first sort of on, on this 11 year cycle, if this is the first time NFT has been applied to it, then and I get something. If I'm the first in that mm. round of NFTs, and it gives me it gives me something for the second and the third and the fourth, that that becomes you become part of a exclusive set mm. that can never be taken away from you. Exactly. And in a world of fear of missing out, mm-hmm. that's quite potent because it's it's you know if a tree falls in the forest, did it really? No one's, no, one there. Knows, no one's yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this is socially. This answers the question. Like. Your point of I know I promise you I went to Woodstock. You're far too young, but I think I <laughs> yeah. think we have yeah, to have point. another podcast or two or three or four. There's so much to talk about here. I want to come back though to we have about ten minutes left here um, before Espen brutally kicks us out of the the studio. He's very commercial. Um, is that NFTs are a major innovation that allow creatives anywhere in the world not just the ones represented by Pace Gallery to receive payment for their work. That, that's, that's one of the major things that we've talked about today. Just to state the terribly mm. obvious is that you could have the true rise of the, call it the independent creative class uh, for the first time. Yes? No, not for the first time. No, he's making a paint. No, it's part of a, it's part of a, it, this is something that is. Uh, I think that uh, you know that's that's what the that's what the internet has done. That's what web okay. one, two, and now three is is sort of already has empowered. It's certainly amplifying it. I would say in a way, but I'm also a little bit conscious of this in regards to. But instead of to, me paying a subscription to Daniel Eck, yeah, and reading about how someone had ten million. <laughs> listens mm. and received a check for 5000 or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but something of that scale that seems way off. The hope here mm. is that maybe we can correct yeah, totally. some of that. Yeah? And, and, and appeal to people's sense of patronage and the sense that their money is actually going to the source. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yes. And the creator has now, you know, the creator has had platforms like Instagram and TikTok and YouTube to expose themselves. But for the first time, they have a smart contract, a digital wallet that also is their means of payment. And govern- And not just the first time it's sold, by the way. I think this implication is really important for people to understand. But every time, every time my digital art is sold, I get 10%, 15%, 1%, mm-hmm. whatever is baked in. Yeah. Mm. That's pretty revolutionary as well. Mm. 
Yeah, that is. And I, I do think that this is, this is globally distributed. I'm, I'm, we're working on an NFT project at the moment with artists for a client. And the artists that we are, that we are uh, talking to, are, they're everywhere. You know, I mean, it doesn't really matter, uh, but that's not anything to do with with NFT or unnecessary digital artists. There are certainly certain parts of the world of where there is a strong community. Yeah. You know, um, Warsaw and Milan and these sorts of places have fantastic digital artists, but but it is without a doubt um, a sort of uh, I don't want to say borderless, but it, it's 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 a digital realm, and so. I think Corona contributed to that feeling as as well as what we I just agree. talked about with the NFT empowering and ongoing uh, commercial benefit for the the. the. Listen, um, we went all over the place, but hopefully too there was some uh, method to the madness. Um, you know, certainly this has gotten me out of my Netflix habit. That's one positive thing is that my fascination with this space and and. And desire to quote unquote get smart about it and figure it out and buy one and you know collaborate with you too has has uh, gotten my mind going. But if there's any, are there any thoughts or things that you wanted to talk about or cover that we didn't cover before we um, conclude? Lillian, I saw you had a no, list. I think you came prepared <laughs> with a list down there on, on real paper. Was there anything <laughs> else? <laughs> uh, no, I think uh, I think we covered actually most things. I think uh, my takeaway about the whole NFT scene is there's a lot of chaos and there's a lot of criticism also to crypto and and you know is it sustainable especially. But for the first time, there it's it is like the creation of the internet. This is the creation and extension of uh, artists and theater groups and you know we have this one digital wallet that gives us access to so much and we are avatars today there's no you know we are we need to embrace this uh, digital uh, digital and physical combination of who we are and mature it and uh, create these human experiences uh, that erase the noise and create that educate that people is, and get them to see real value, real value from it, so they can see beyond the hype and the negative press. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that you know uh, what you described at the beginning, both of you in in making this accessible, and the work that you're doing, Lillian, in in creating this as a a, a real, a beautiful experience, and making it something that's familiar because that's essentially what you're doing. You're making the unfamiliar familiar. There is a lot mm. of things here that is very familiar with NFTs. It's just that it's got this weird name and it's all, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but my yeah. approach with clients on this subject is to look at it from, you know, it's a chicken and egg subject. So you, t you approach it either from the chicken or you approach it from the egg. And that's kind of what we talked about with is it a digital version of or a physical version of, right? So what's very interesting is the high threshold, and I believe that it's high threshold if we take digital first, that it's all about the NFT. And that's something that will become more uh, the norm because, as I say, uh, young children live in a world of which this is just completely ethically the norm, right? Uh, this is a reality. Uh, whereas the older you are, the more potentially sort of abstract this becomes. That's correct. But then guilty is charged. So it's changing dramatically. Yeah, well, me too. And but then the other way, 
I can't remember which was the chicken and which was the egg, but we'll say, but the other way is looking at it from the physical way first. And that's very interesting. That's like saying, I was at the ballet. I was the founder of this brand. I work for this company and I can prove it because I have, I own a part of the brand through this visit, this piece of art. I yeah, attended that concert. Uh, I wasn't, I was an owner of that art and then it went on. This was exhibited here and that starts to become really interesting. I'm a member of this club, this golf club. We're looking mm. at this at the moment with a five-star hotel, which has a capacity problem of membership. Right? As soon as you turn this into an asset, you say, well, okay, I can say how much this is truly worth. Right? <laughs> like the, 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 the golf club no longer says a, a membership here is $10,000. Now the market. the market decides because that membership card is an NFT. Mm. Just to ruin all of our credibility here at the end, do you own an NFT? Anybody no. here? No. no. Yes. Lillian, you do? Yes. Okay. I Oof. do. All right. Thank God you saved us. What, what, what do you own? What did you invent? What was your first NFT if you just have one? Well, or... it was actually a gift from Erasmus, uh, one of the artists that is part of Navoy. We, we've had such a great working relationship and he's amazing. We, we interviewed him and did a, did a video that you can see about his process and what he creates. And, you know, just as a thanks, he just gave me one of his NFTs and and how much and is that worth, do you think, if you were to go, since you're going to hold on to it for exactly 33 days, when you get rid of it in 33 days? Oh, that's mine. I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. Okay. He's, I think Erasmus is on his way to being one of the top artists in Norway, uh, easily. Um, he is incredible, and he's such a great person. So uh, You're holding on to it. Got it. Yes. Listen, you two, thank you so much for starting your Friday morning uh, with us. Um, thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you, Lillian. Thank you, Kelly and Tom. Oh, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you find you need more Kelly Moulton in your life, go to moulton.substack.com and uh, read Bold Moves. Comes out every couple of weeks. So I don't know which one's going to feed which, whether it's the chicken or the egg, the podcast or the writing. But that's what I intend to explore, uh, is the relationship between hopefully some, some good writing and um, some, some good listening. Um, and uh, the things that we feature are, are people that I find uh, fascinating, who are, who are taking risks creatively, professionally, uh, who aren't always succeeding, because I'm sick of the culture of uh, success only. So we will be talking about failure as much as anything else, too. Um, and... Uh, I don't know, emerging themes, things that just I don't want to have slip past me at the age of 51 and say, whoa, what was that Web3 thing, for example? Like, I want to, I want to have a chance to dive into that stuff. Thank you so much for your support. <laughs>